wither and the flower will fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. Thankful for that. As you're finding your place in God's word to 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, I want to just say happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there, and thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that the dad bod is, uh, is still uh, attractive to most women, I hear. Uh, it's kind of making its comeback. It faded for a little while now. It's coming back. And I also got a soundtrack behind me. And as I say this, I want to say this with all of No. You can't spell father without fat. So that's, uh, I'm thankful for that. All right. But I want you to see uh, the truth of God's word this morning as we begin to look at uh, what it means uh, to get back into the Bible, get back into God's word, to develop a spiritual hunger for the word of God as our spiritual food. Today we're going to look at how the Bible is our authority from 2 Timothy. And remember, Timothy is uh, pastoring the church at Ephesus. This is the second letter of Timothy. Just recently, we've gone through the first letter of Timothy and seen God's instructions for Timothy that he communicated through the Apostle Paul to Timothy about how to lead that church and how to have a biblical church, how to have a church that God blesses and all of those things. And so uh, we're looking at the scripture today from chapter 3. And we see Paul tell Timothy to continue in what he has read and how the Bible is his authority. I want to ask you, how many of you brought your Bible to church this morning? If you brought your Bible, raise it up, lift it up, hold it up so everybody can see. Okay, we got some Bibles out there. That's great. Now, how many of you brought your smartphone or your tablet with you? Hold it up. Hold it up if you've got your smartphone or tablet. And that's cool. Listen, I'm not, I'm not getting on to anybody. What I want to tell you, though, is that your smartphone or your tablet can actually be a very, very useful tool. If you'll download YouVersion Bible or you'll download the Faith Life Study Bible app or the ESV Study Bible app, any of these Study Bible apps are very, very useful and resourceful. So when you come to church, at the very least, turn, open that phone up to your Bible app. Don't be texting or Facebooking or Twitter or whatever in church. Don't uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Don't do that in church. But you can have your Bible, your tablet out and be looking at your Bible app on your phone. So that would be great if you have that. And, and the, the thing is, we have the Word of God is more available to us than ever. The question is, do we hear it, heed it, and apply it to our lives? Is the Bible our authority? And we are bombarded with information I mean, from all different sources. Many, many books are written for information. The Bible was not simply written for information. The Bible was written for our transformation, to change us, to make us be more like the Word incarnate that we heard about last week, who is Jesus Christ. You know, that if you were to take the Bible and turn it into a person, that person would be Jesus. And if you could take Jesus and turn him into a book, that book would be the Bible. And what we see in the scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ revealed. And as such, because he is king of kings and because he is Lord of lords and because he reigns over heaven and earth and everything that we see, you and me, the Bible is our authority. We... We don't have any other authority 
that we go by as a church. I mean, we have a constitution and we have bylaws and we have rules and policies and procedures and all of those things. And all of those things are written with Scripture in view. We write all those things because we take Scripture and we apply it to the church. Same thing is true for you in your life. All the things that you do and say should be the test for all of those things should be the Word of God, should be Scripture. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's our daily spiritual food. It's instructive for our lives. So let me ask this question as we go to the Scripture this morning. How should we read and apply our Bibles to our lives? Okay, that's what we're going to look at. Now, and how do we approach Scripture? So stand with me, and we'll pick it up here in verse 14 as Paul is writing. You've got to understand the context. Paul says some people are going to neglect the Word of God. Some people are going to go from bad to worse. But he points the finger at Timothy and says, Timothy, you should be different, and the Bible is your authority. Look at what it says in verse 14. But as for you... Because some people are going to neglect God's word. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we humble our hearts and we declare, Lord, our total submission to the authority of your word, Lord. We know it's inspired by you. We know that it's infallible. We don't see any errors in Scripture. And Lord, we look uh, to your word. We know that it will last forever. And that one day we will be judged by your word. And so, Father, help each and every one of us uh, not to simply be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, Lord. Help us all, Lord. And may the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouth be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as we think about our biblical truth, and we think about what it means to have faith and and walk as a Christian in faith, faith means taking God at his word. God said it, so I believe it. And not only does God say it and I believe it, but now I live by it. it. It affects my life. It changes who I am. It makes me a different person. Well, as we look at what Paul instructed Timothy, and we think about, well, how do we do this? And how do we apply the Bible and keep the Bible our authority? Number one, when you approach Scripture, you approach it as the first resort. As the first resort. I know a lot of people that they wait until they get into a bind, and they don't know where to go and where to turn, and then they finally, after they've exhausted every other resource in their life, they go to the Bible and they go to the place of prayer and they say, okay, God, I've tried everything. Now, how, what do you have to say about the subject? But notice what Paul tells to Timothy. 
he tells him, continue in what you have learned. In order for Timothy to continue in what he had learned, something had to be put in to begin with, right? There had to be some information that was there. There had to be some spiritual truth that he already understood for him to continue in that. And by the way, that's a present tense imperative verb. And what it means is to keep on doing it. Keep on uh, going in those things that you've learned. Well, what was the context? The context is all of the things that Paul had taught him, all the things that his grandmother Lois had taught him, his mother Eunice and I thought, I thought about that. And when, when you look at the, the scripture and you see that Paul reminds him uh, to fan into flame the gift of God that was given to him and, and the things that he knew, I thought about this Bible. I've had this Bible out here for a couple of weeks now, and I thought I put it out for a different reason. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to leave that there throughout the study. But this Bible was actually given, and the holder too, was given to me by my grandmother. And... Uh, and I have several books in my library, spiritual, scriptural books that were given to me by my grandmother. This particular Bible is the Precious Promises Edition. That's King James Version. And I started learning the King James Version uh, whenever I was about eight years old. And this Bible was one of the first Bibles that I ever got and began to study. And um, it, it underlines and, and highlights, shades in, all the promises of God. My grandmother gave me that. And I've also talked to you about how my grandmother uh, would take me, uh, when we'd be at her house, we'd do open uh, windows together, do the Bible study together, read the scripture, and pray every night. And she taught me the Lord's Prayer. I also uh, think about how my mom and my dad, I was blessed as a child to have a mom and a dad who loved Jesus and still love Jesus, and still have a very strong faith. And I think my dad's here this morning. And I remember all those days uh, as a teenager going out on the Ross Barnett Reservoir and uh, and, and down in the, uh, what's the bay? I can't think of it right now where the river comes down. Pelahatchie Bay. Pelahatchie Creek and Pelahatchie Bay out there on the boat and just having spiritual conversations as we're not catching any fish. Um, <laughs> I remember that. Very well. I mean, those things are just imprinted in my mind. And, and even though Timothy didn't have a believing father, he had a believing mother and grandmother. His father was a Greek. Uh, his mother and his grandmother were believing. They were Jewish. And, and as I think about that, Timothy had a firm foundation. And some of you, many of you out there, at one point in time, you went to a Bible study, you went to... Uh, Sunday school as a child, or you went to VBS as a child, or you had a grandmother or grandfather or mama or dad who believed in Jesus, and you heard the word. And the Bible says that Timothy was acquainted with Scripture, but what Paul wanted Timothy to do was not to simply be acquainted with Scripture, but to learn to depend on Scripture, to go to Scripture, and to know it in and out, front and back. Now, for Timothy, the scripture, the sacred writings in that day, were there were a few New Testament books at this point, but not very many, just some letters. And then the entire Old Testament that he had, and Paul wanted him to know it and absorb it, not just be acquainted with it, but to be saturated with the scripture. And not forsake it, but to continue in it. Now, some of us, 
We, we had that foundation as a child. We were, we, we, that foundation was laid, but we've really just left it there. How many of you have ever seen somebody start to build a house and, and they gathered up material, they broke ground, and they poured the foundation and then they ran out of money or ran out of steam or something happened and then the foundation just sat there with nothing on top of it. Anybody ever seen that? That's what it's like whenever a child grows up in the church but doesn't really foster their faith as they grow up. It's like a foundation that was laid, but nothing was ever built upon it. And sadly, for many Christians today, because they've neglected the Word of God, that's the way they look spiritually to God. They have a good foundation. It's solid. It's there. It's sure. But there's never been anything built on the foundation. When we take the Word of God... And we make sure that it's our first resort. It's our first priority. And we spend time in the Word of God regularly. We're building on top of that foundation. And that house will stand. And now Paul tells Timothy to do this. And not only does he say, you've you've learned it from your mother and your grandmother and the elders in Jerusalem that had laid their hands on Timothy and all this thing, but Paul himself had invested in Timothy's life. And so each and every one of us, we need somebody to encourage us in the Word. I've often said it this way, that every single one of us need to pursue a Paul. Just like Timothy, we need to pursue a Paul. Every single one of us, if God gives us the grace and the knowledge of His Word, then we need to be also training a Timothy. So somebody in your life needs to hear the Word of God from you. And if you're not equipped with God's Word and you haven't been building on that foundation and you haven't been going to the Word of God on a regular basis, the only thing that you have is the leftovers from whenever you were a child or whenever you went there one day searching for the the Scriptures to find out how to live your life. You went there one day, so you got a little bit of something to give. But man, if you really want to pour into somebody's life, you've got to make it the first priority. You've got to make it the first resort on a daily basis. Basis, And we think about Paul himself and his affection for Timothy. Paul really wanted Timothy to know the scriptures and he knew that it was his responsibility as Timothy's spiritual father. Notice Paul's affection for Timothy. In 1 Timothy 1-2, he calls him my true child in the faith. So Paul took responsibility as a spiritual daddy, as a spiritual father over Timothy's spiritual well-being. 2 Timothy 1-2, my beloved child, he calls him. 1 Corinthians 4-17, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And then he says it to the Philippian church in chapter 2, verse 20, I have no one like him. Paul took this responsibility on himself. So we all need to pursue a Paul, we need to train a Timothy, and then we all need to be a, be a Barnabas. And what I mean by that is encourage. We know that Barnabas is an encourager. And I think about all the people that have encouraged me over the years, all the spiritual mamas and daddies that I've had over the years that have encouraged me and told me I'm doing a good job. 
and, and pr- said, I'm praying for you. Now listen to what Paul tells him in chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. It's right above where we're reading. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching. Now, Timothy, I know that Timothy was encouraged whenever he heard those words. He said, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. How many of us need an example of those spiritual traits? How many of us need an example of faith, love, and conduct from other people? We all need that. Amen? You need it. I need it. So guess what? You have a responsibility to be that to someone else in your life. Then he goes on to say, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yes, from them all, the Lord rescued me. So he says, listen, he's indicating to Timothy, it's not always going to be easy for you. There's going to be bumps in the road. But here's the thing. The Bible as the foundation helps you and your life to weather the storms of persecution, temptation, trials and tribulation. Matthew 7 verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so don't wait till those flood waters come for you to run to scripture, but make scripture your first resort. But secondly, you come to the scripture as the first resort, but you should also come to scripture with full assurance, with full assurance that this is the word of God. Now, we talked about that last week and how David uh, claimed that scripture is the word of God and how it reveals knowledge day and night and all of these things and and how the word of God is instructive and how the word of God is a blessing to our souls. But here, Paul tells us something very special about the word of God. He says that it's able to make us wise for salvation through faith in in Christ Jesus. So we know the content of the Bible is Christ Jesus. The context of the Bible is Christ Jesus. Everything about the Bible points us to Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you're over in the New Testament in Genesis or you're all the way at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. Jesus is on every single page. Now you might have to look for him like where's Waldo? But I promise he's there. Every word of scripture points to Christ. The incarnate word of God. And then as you think about scripture, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Think about that word breathed out. Uh, some Some of your translations may say inspired by God. And I think that, that that's a good translation. There's nothing wrong with that translation, but I don't think it really gives us the full meaning of the word. The Greek word is a special word in the Greek language, and it's these two words put together. It's a, it's a compound word, and it's the word theos, which is for God, and noustos, which has to do with spirit or wind or breath. We said last week that God is a star breather, that he breathed out the stars. He spoke and the sun gave its light and all of those things. But not only did he speak and give earth and all of creation its existence, he spoke and the word of God came to be as well. It is breathed out by him. And notice that Paul doesn't say that some scripture is breathed out by God. Paul doesn't say that some parts of the Bible are inspired by God. The parts that you like and the parts that I like are inspired by God. What does he say? All 
All Scripture is breathed out by God. I told you I had a New Testament professor that used to say, all means all, and that's all all means. It means all. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, verse... Hold on. You don't know it either, so... Don't worry. I mean, I'm going to get there in just a second. Anyway, the end of the book of Revelation. <laughs> 21. 22-21. I was almost said 23. I would have been wrong. Revelation 22-21. End of the Bible. Every word of Scripture is breathed out by God. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that God wrote all of the Bible? No. What that means is that God spoke those words into the hearts of men and they were carried along. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Um, he says in uh, chapter uh, 4 and verse 12 that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then, the, and then Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's almost like a ship uh, that's underway and the sails are filled by the wind of God that's carrying that ship along. And this is what these holy men of old, as they were writing scripture, they were being carried along. God was writing through their hand the words that we have on the page today. The Bible is inspired, inerrant, infallible truth of God. You say, well, didn't didn't men write the Bible? Yes, he did, but God wrote through them. Well, what about the errors in Scripture? Now, you hear that a lot. People say, well, isn't the Bible full of errors? I'm going to tell you what. If you show me an error in the Bible, if you can take me to an error in the Bible, then we'll talk about that. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. And yes, there are things that I don't quite understand very well, but what I can tell you this is that from 35 different authors that God inspired... And over a period of 1,500 years, there is more continuity in the Bible than there is in your own brain. There's more continuity in the Bible than any other book that's ever written. It's one single story. There's no errors. There's no contradictions. If you find one, then you're the one that misunderstands. The Bible is true. Let God be true and every man be a liar. And I want to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what, not only that, you can rely on it. You can say, I know that this book that I hold, the Bible and the translation that I have, now maybe there's errors in translation, there can be, but in the original language, listen, the Bible is the most accurate ancient book that has ever been written. To the original, the, the copies that we have today that you hold in your hand or you have that translation on your phone, that translation, if it's a good, reliable translation, we can talk about those later, but if it is, it is the most accurate to an ancient book that there has ever been. I've got a little video to um, You got that much attention. The Old Testament, but there was a whole group of Israelites called the Masorites that their sole job was to copy the Old Testament word for word just like if, if it were a printing press or a copy machine to make sure every single jot and tittle was preserved. 
over the thousands of years of the, of the Old Testament. Now, they did such an accurate job. Listen, part of their job was that they would take the scroll and then one person would read, the, the, the chief scribe would read, and then the rest of the scribes would copy. Then they would inspect the scroll. The first error that they found, they'd mark through. Then the second error they found, they marked through correct. If they found the third error, they would burn the scroll and they would fire the scribe forever. Permanently lose his job. So you can know that the Bible from cover to cover is accurate and that it is the Word of God. And I think about this, and you know, we, we typically want to defend the Scripture and try to make arguments about the Scripture with other people who disagree. But listen to what Spurgeon said, and this is what's so important here. He says, the Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. And what that means is more important for you to know the Word of God and live the Word of God out in your life than it is to try to convince people out there that the Bible is accurate. That's what's more important than anything. So if you will apply it to your own life and live it out, others will be convinced of the truth of the Bible simply because what they see coming through you. All right? And so we come to the Bible with full assurance. We read it like it is the truth and that it is the inspired Word of God. And then because of that, here's the last point, we read the Bible as the final authority. The final authority for all matters in life and godliness. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything, but the Bible gives us everything that we need to know in order to have a right relationship with God. It's, it's like a map that doesn't give you everything that you need to know and hear, but it does give you all the information you need to know to get to your direction, uh, get to where your destination is. Um, I think about the acronym that we learned as a kid, that I learned as a child. Did you learn it too? The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Most men, uh, and hitting on fathers for just a minute, I, I've had many of those little uh, toys and uh, playthings that I've had to put together for my kids over the years. The first thing that I do is open up the box, reach in and grab that bag that has all those little extra parts in it and that piece of paper that are the instructions and throw it over my shoulder. That's what I do. And I've learned not to do that because I end up with something that wobbles and lots of extra parts. And so I've learned that the best thing to do is to read the instructions. Listen, God's word is instructive for your life. He says it's profitable. Now he tells us how it's profitable. How does it benefit you? How do you learn from the Word of God? And what should you know from the Word of God? He says it's breathed out and profitable for teaching. That, that's, here's what the truth is. The Bible gives us our basic understanding and belief system. When you have a biblical worldview, you see the world the way God sees the world. And it's profitable. That, and Scripture should always affect these three things. Our beliefs our attitudes, and our behaviors. And we begin with belief because belief is where we put the information in and we take in God's word and we say, okay, God said it, so I believe it. Now my attitude is, what do I value the most? What do I put a priority on? And how do I orient myself around that? Then that affects my behavior. And a lot of times we get it so mixed up and so wrong. We misprioritize our life because we haven't started out with the right belief. 
We haven't allowed the Word of God to be our teacher, to go before us and teach us. Now, not only does it teach us the right way and teach us how God sees the world, it also reproves us. It is profitable for teaching for reproof. Now, the word reproof means showing us where you've gotten off. You ever read the Bible and just felt so convicted by something that was in there that God said? And you said, well, I've been doing that wrong. Anybody? Or I didn't love the way I should have loved. I didn't speak the way that I should have spoken. I didn't treat someone else the way I should have. I haven't loved God the way I should have loved God. And, and so it reproves us. It corrects us. And listen, let me tell you something. If you're ever going, if you're ever going to try to correct another brother or sister in the Lord, you absolutely better have Scripture and understand it before you go to correct them. Amen? Now that puts the onus on us that we better know our Bibles. Okay? Don't go to some other brother or sister with your opinion and try to correct them with that. They're going, they're going to throw that back into your face in a heartbeat. And they're going to reject your instruction. But if you can take the Word of God, then you take the Word of God. And then it says for correction. And what that means is how do you get back on track? So how I've gotten off track, but now how do I get back on track? And then training in righteousness, how do I stay on the track? How do I continue going down the road that God would have me? And then Paul says, not only is it good for all of those things, verse 17, here's why, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Some of your translations say thoroughly equipped. Now as I think about that, what it reveals to me is that God's Word is everything that I need. I don't have to pray for some other miracle or some other special revelation or for God to give me a special revealed Word. I don't have to ask God for that because God has already revealed everything I need for life and godliness so that I may be thoroughly equipped by reading His Word, He's already given it all to me. I don't need to go for more. In fact, in a way, it's sinful for me to expect God to give me more than what He's already given me. If I say to God, God, this isn't good enough. I need you to reveal to me more. I'm saying, God, I'm not taking you at your word. And what it reveals is a lack of faith. It ultimately says, God, I don't trust what you've written enough. I need more. Dads, you've been there. I told your children, I want you to do this, this, and this. And instead of doing this, this, and this, your kids come back and say, well, Dad, what about that? And that we do the same thing with God. And Paul tells Timothy, listen, if you will live the word, apply it to your life, and live the word of God out, you will be complete and you will be equipped for every good work. It's our equipment. If we go out without the Word of God, if we're going out without it, we're going out like a workman without his tools. I remember working for my dad in construction, and inevitably, one of the guys would show up on the work site without their tools, and my dad say, get you a job and go buy you some tools. <laughs> in other words, don't come to work without your equipment. If we go out without the Word of God, we're going out like a soldier on the battlefield without his weapon. We left it behind. 
If we go out without the word, we're going out like a player on the field who left their gear behind. We cannot neglect the word of God. It's everything we need for moral issues. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. It's all we need for relational issues. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. For spiritual issues, eternal life and death, Paul says that he's able to make us wise for salvation. Jesus said in John 12, the one who rejects me. Now, I want you to understand The one who rejects me, he says, and does not receive my words. That's every one of us when we put the Bible on the shelf and we put it out of our lives and we put it out of our minds and we go on about our lives without the instruction of God. He says, the one who does not receive me, who rejects me and does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The Bible is our instruction guide. So stop trying to work it out in your own reasoning. Stop taking the instructions and throwing them over your shoulder. Go to the Word of God. Now, we've often said this. I've I've read it. I've said it myself. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I said it that way. But you know, that's a little bit wrong. Really, we ought to be taking that last line there and moving it up. And it ought to go like this. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. You agree with that? You testify to that truth today? All right. So then you're going to join with me and in getting into the Word every single day and making the Word of God your first resort. Going to God in his word, with full assurance that you are hearing from the almighty God of the universe. And then that will be your final authority for how you will live in life. And listen, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to tell you, reiterate to you again, the Bible is not just any book. It's a supernatural book, and it deals with spiritual matters of life and eternity. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But then the Bible is about how every single one of us can find salvation for our souls and be united with a holy God. And that's only through a person. And that person is the person revealed in the scripture. That person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, who died on a sinner's cross and then was raised again on the third day. And he's alive today and he's calling every single one of us to himself. Maybe today you're here and you're hearing that call for the very first time. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus before. You've never said you are Lord and you are my Savior. I want you to be my Savior. You've never done that before. He's calling you today and he's saying to you, I want you to be my son and my daughter. I want you to be saved. I want you to have eternity with me. And I paid the price so that you could be saved. And all that I expect from you is for you to surrender. Receive my gift of salvation. And today, if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to do that.
And so with your head bowed and your eye closed, no one looking around at each other, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer has supernatural working power, not because it's a special prayer, but because when you mean the words of this prayer, this communication with God, God hears this prayer. He honors this prayer. So you pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things I know were wrong, and I have failed to do the things that I know are right. And I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, and you paid the penalty for my sin. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And give me a home in heaven with you. Thank you for saving me. And now I'll spend the rest of my life loving you and living for you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? This is our time of invitation. This is your opportunity that if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior for the very first time this morning, we want to receive you and welcome you. We want to know what Jesus has done for you. Don't hold it in. Let us know. Share it with us. So this is your opportunity to come and proclaim your faith. And we'll love you and we'll praise God for you. If you're looking for a place to join in the work of God and serve along the saints, and you know that Myrtle Grove Baptist Church is the place that God has called you to be, this is your opportunity. You come during our invitation. If you simply need prayer and you'd like to come to the altar, our prayer counselors will be coming forward. You come and you can pray with one of them. You can pray right there in your pew where you are. But you take this invitation and you use it for the glory of God in whatever way God tells you.